Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Hello and welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Matt Harris, editor here at EM360 and your host on today's episode. Now today, I'm joined by Paul Valente, CEO at Visotrust, and we're here to talk about how enterprises need to manage third-party risk in 2023. Paul, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Matt. I'm delighted to be here and really excited to be on the show. So, Paul, CEO and co-founder of Visotrust, as you said, I've spent 25 years building highly effective security programs in highly regulated industries and have been chief information security officer at several companies. Today, Matt, companies rely on large numbers of third parties to do business, whether it's SaaS providers, business process outsourcers, sourcers, or you know, myriad of other types of companies. When companies share sensitive data or access, that brings risk. Back when my co-founder, Russ Sherman, and I were building the security program at Lending Club, we were growing very fast and needed to onboard new vendors quickly. We implemented a lightweight process to assess third parties that was questionnaire-based, but ended up being slow and labor-intensive. Really, the process generated endless busy work for my team and caused procurement delays. Vendors failed to respond, and frankly, stakeholder frustration went through the roof. Our team was branded the department of no and accused of killing innovation. You know, Matt, we tried everything and nothing worked, whether it was GRC tools, security ratings, or risk exchanges, it was still too much work to run, provided inaccurate results, or had low vendor adoption. This is why we built Visotrust, to enable fast, accurate third-party due diligence at scale, and enable companies to take control of their third-party risk. Excellent. I think this is, you know, a kind of something that's been thrust into the limelight, you know, couple things over the last few months, especially Uber, who suffered their second third-party data breach from Tectivity in December, um, resulting in a data dump of, I think, it was almost 80,000 Uber employees' email addresses, directory information. Um, And I guess that's kind of shocking because Uber is such a big company, you would think they would have their third-party risk managed perfectly. Um, in your in your kind of opinion, Paul, what do you think happened there, and what could Uber have done differently? Yeah, yeah, great question, Matt. And you know, I certainly get that as a consumer, you'd think big global brand, publicly traded, right? Of course, they have their third party security under control, under control, right? Well, let me share the Chief Information Security Officer perspective, which which may surprise you. So, companies like Uber. They leverage enormous numbers of third parties to do business. Typically, a company their size leverages thousands of third parties and typically shares sensitive data with with hundreds. At the same time, outside of a few very highly regulated businesses like banking, for instance, companies like Uber, for instance, typically have very few dedicated personnel working on third party security. So... And a little more background, the process of thoroughly assessing third parties, which has been largely the same for the last 20 years, dictates about 10 to 40 person hours per year per third party. So we're getting into some pretty big numbers here. If you if you take thousands of third parties, one or two dedicated staffers, and that amount of hours, it just doesn't add up. Unless they're using our platform, the odds are nearly zero that they're assessing all those third parties. So... Looking at the Uber breach, here's what you'd ask. 
was the security team even aware of Tectivity? That's the first question. The second, did they know the level of data and infrastructure that Tectivity had access to? And then the third question, had they assessed Tectivity security recently with knowledge of the answers to those first two questions? Now, the data suggests that the answer to at least one, if not all three of those questions is no. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. We are dealing with some quite big numbers. Um, And Uber works with so many third-party companies when it comes to conducting their business. So how does a company like Uber make sure all of their third parties are accounted for, assessed, and managed correctly? Yeah, so it takes implementing a process that is highly automated and that leverages quality information to allow you to assess third parties at scale. Today, that can only be achieved uh, with AI-based technologies. Um, And our customers today are able to really, for the first time, assess third parties at scale uh, with uh, really any any number of staff. Um, And uh, it takes, you know, assessing all of your vendors from an inherent risk point of view, understanding which ones need deeper assessment and it takes getting aware from, away from questionnaires, which have been the status quo for 20 years, and result in incomplete results on too few of your vendors and an inability to get coverage and visibility into your third-party risk. Got it. And I guess this is happening to all companies of all sizes from you know the big hitters like Uber all the way to the, the tiny startups and, and everyone in between. Can you tell us about a time, Paul, that you faced security challenges with a, with a third-party vendor in your career and how you navigated that? Yeah. Yeah. So having spent decades on both sides of third-party risk management, I've got lots of stories, but naturally I'm under NDA. So there's limits to what I can share, but I love to tell the story of what I call malicious networks. And of course, that's not a real name, but what's rather ironic is that the real name was actually not far from malicious networks. Now, now I've worked at several financial institutions in my career, and this story takes place in a financial services context. We'll call it Loans Are Us. So Loans R Us was processing customer-provided loan documents filled with highly sensitive personal information by the thousands. And the operations team needed a cheaper way to do data entry. Somehow, they came across a company that, that we'll call Malicious Networks. Now, Malicious Networks was overseas in a developing nation and was willing to share to, to do this data entry manually for pennies on the dollar. Now, Naturally, it was attractive to our then head of operations who made quickly implementing malicious networks a top priority. With great urgency, but following our standard process, our security team assessed them and the results were unsatisfactory. It turned out that malicious networks had no security program at all and weren't able to commit to an even minimal set of security controls. So of course, we advised strongly against utilizing their services. Now, what complicated matters though was this notion of social proof and and as a as an executive, uh, you know you you run into this uh, all the time, and it's a big challenge for uh, third party security teams. Malicious networks had somehow convinced our operations leadership that another much larger financial institution, let's say something at the level of like a Visa or a Citibank, but not those, of course, was using their services. In reality, the assurance of this sort of social proof is is very limited. You know, there's a lot of capacities in which a well-known company can utilize a third party, but given a closer look may not be so relevant. So, you know, maybe they're doing a tiny proof of concept, or maybe it's a less sensitive use case, or maybe they're just using them for staff hog, 
or you know the claim could be completely or nearly false right um there's lots of possibilities but i remember sitting down with the operations leader carefully explaining the issues and risks and the likelihood of negative outcomes in business terms and his reply it was what do i need to do to get you to approve this vendor right um so you know what this highlights is is the immense pressures that security teams can be under and how difficult it is to maintain stakeholder relationships now if you if you add to this that really the operational difficulties that questionnaire based assess- assessments bring to this process which is you know less than you know 50% uh you know as many as 50% of your vendors won't respond to them nowadays uh when they do they can take a ton of time undermining your ability to get ahead of the selection the vendor selection process and often the results are highly subjective right they could be filled out by you know uh sales development reps who are just trying to close the deal but these decisions are big decisions for companies right and there's a lot of pressure if there's any inconsistencies in your process if your data can't be completely relied upon then it's going to fall apart there's going to be stakeholder frustration you're going to be branded the department of no and you're going to have poor risk outcomes and so you know this is this is the problem that we that we solve it by so and uh, and really why we exist as a company yeah, I mean, to, just just to move on to that briefly, how, how does Viso automate that that process of assessing third parties, and what really you know sets you apart from some other suppliers in the market? Yeah, our approach to this growing problem uses machine learning and a team of highly qualified third party risk prep professionals to automate this process at scale. Our SaaS platform easily engages third parties, saving everyone time and resources. To give you a little more detail. In a five-minute web-based session, third parties are prompted to upload relevant artifacts of the security program that already exist, and our supervised AI that we call Document Intelligence does the rest. Document Intelligence is patented first-to-market technology that's not available anywhere else. It references a comprehensive set of over 25 security frameworks and uses document heuristics and natural language processing to analyze any written material and extract all the relevant control information. So what this means for for customers is no more chasing vendors, no more reading documents, no more analyzing spreadsheets. Viso's risk model analyzes your risk in the terms of the relationship that that, uh, apply to your company and deliver to you a complete assessment that tells you everything you need to know to make qualified risk decisions. So you know, today, Matt, we have lots of great enterprise customers like Instacart, Gusto, Upwork, and they all say the same thing. 90% less work, 80% reduction in time to assess, and near 100% vendor adoption. Because it's the only approach that can deliver accurate results at scale, for the first time, customers are able to gain complete visibility into their entire third-party population and take control of their third-party risk in a way that just wasn't possible before. Oh, nice one. All right. Exciting. Exciting. Um, So final question for you then today, Paul, is what advice would you give to those enterprises that aren't prioritizing their third party risk? First, you owe it to your customers and partners to prioritize it. It's just too big of a risk. You're going to be breached through your third parties and you're going to want to be prepared. Secondly, managing this risk is not impossible, right? So what we see out there is really two two things that happen at companies. Either they've been down this road from a management standpoint, perhaps at a previous company before, and they know the process can't scale, so they set up a rubber stamp, 
right? And uh, and they just, you know, they send those third parties through. Now those companies, they've they've got a ton of risk. You know, they know it typically, and they need to do something about it. On the other side, we have companies that they utilize the the great training that they've had as GRC professionals, and they set up. Uh, what seemed to them to be rigorous questionnaire-based processes. And a year later, they find that they've only been able to assess maybe 10% of their vendors, right? And uh, because those processes just don't, just don't scale. And, you know, that's, that's in some ways, you know, some argue that's it, that that's even worse, right? That having no visibility into that a major portion of your population, you know, is worse than, than the rubber stamp it, you know, pick your poison really. So, uh, what I'm here to say is that it's not impossible. Using our platform, uh, you can have your cake and eat it too. You can assess all your vendors and you can get quality data make, to make good risk decisions. Um, and so leverage the benefits of AI, leverage a platform that can really scale. And lastly, you can do it without slowing down business. It's, it's now possible to do so. So that's my advice. Uh, take this seriously, prioritize it. Take advantage of new technologies like AI and shift this process left and get the risk ROI that your customers deserve. Mm. Yeah, and I love the fact that you you are quite, the thing you seem to be prioritizing most is making it as easy as possible for these companies to kind of bring this um, solution in and implement it. Because um, I, I think that is really, really important. Um Paul, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, and thank you so much for your time and being on this podcast. If people want to learn more about Visotrust, where can they go? They can visit visotrust.com, you know, uh, read case studies, learn more about the platform. You can also reach out to me on LinkedIn and I'd love to, uh, I'd love to talk with you. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on the show, Matt. And, uh, and, uh, it's been a pleasure. No worries at all, yeah, and thank you for coming on. And thank you to everyone who listened as well. And remember, for further information on what we talked about, please head on over to visotrust.com. We'll be back next week with another episode in our podcast series, but until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms, follow the conversation on our socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn, and for more great daily content, please head on over to EM360Tech.com.